Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, yeah. Streaming live around the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com where you can find the links to the social media, you can find the podcast, you can find, well, pretty much everything else that's going on. So it's uh, it's all good over there at MichaelDukeShow.com. Just, just do it right now. Go over there and check it out. Uh, and, of course, broadcasting across the state of Alaska at uh, on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Hi, how are you? <laughs> oh, baby. Did you have a good weekend? Did you did you did you feel did you get rested? Did you get, you know, did you recuperate and recharge and all the R words that you were looking for? Did you did you I mean, it was awesome. It was a great great weekend. Uh welcome to the program and thanks so much for joining us on this what is likely for me to turn out to be a short week. Um I'm giving you fair warning right now. I will probably, now this is probably, I will probably not be here on Friday. Uh, And I know that's hard for some of you to hear because, you know, every day you've got to start your weekday out with me and everything else. But, you know, hey, um, it's a three-day weekend with Memorial Day. I've got so much stuff to do. Normally by this time I have already been to Homer at least once. Um, and I have not even planned my trip this summer yet at all. It's, uh, I mean, it's just a hot mess. I got so many things going on. Uh, and I am, uh, just seriously considering right now taking Friday off so that I can have a long weekend so I can get all my honeydew stuff out of the way so that I can have the rest of the summer to do what I want to do. Right. So, I mean, that's right there. That's what, that's what we're working on. So, uh, I will probably not be here on Friday. Friday. So just FYI, just, I, I, I haven't, I'm not, I'm not quite there yet. I haven't, it's not a hundred percent. I haven't cleared it with all the radio stations and everything else and let everybody know, but more than likely, and uh, more than likely I will not be here on Friday. So it's all about you and what you want says Brian. Why? Yes. That's why it says right here, the Michael Duke show. That's why it says that, because it's all about me. <laughs> but regardless, we're going into a long weekend, and uh, that makes the week that much shorter and sweeter when you're going into a long weekend. So I hope you guys are uh, enjoying it and you are ready to do, if you're rejuvenated and recouped, where we're going. To. And I yes, I know that means that there's no Firearms Friday, which means we might have to have a Firearms Thursday, which is unheard of. But may but we might uh, but we might do that anyway. Um just because, you know, I can't I don't know as I can go a full week without the Firearms Friday discussion. It just might be too much. So it'll be 
something Thursday. It'll be something firearms related Thursday that rhymes or sounds together. You know, it's good for alliteration and everything else. All right. So, um, what do you got going on here? Um, what it what what are we doing this the, today? Okay, so today I guess we're go, I should go just get into this here. Today we're going to start off with some headlines from around the state, things that happened over the weekend, what's going on with the wrap up of the final session on what's going on, and uh, we're going to uh, we're going to discuss um, we're going to discuss a lot of uh, of things that have happened in the uh, in the. Uh, uh, in the legislature and between some of the elected officials who's running who's not all that kind of stuff we're going to be uh, we're going to be diving into that uh we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the big headlines that are going on across the country as well uh what is the governor going to do with the budget i don't know uh we'll also talk about redistricting because that's that's important since the deadline is less than 10 days away for people to file for office the redistricting thing is kind of important, and uh, so we're going to talk about that as well. And then in hour two, we're going to get a chance to chat with Spike Cohen, who is the former Libertarian candidate for vice president. We spoke to him a couple of years ago. Um, a pretty cool cat. I really uh, enjoyed talking with him, and he is working on a new project, uh, which uh, he is going out there trying to empower people to uh, you know, to to get involved, to do things, and uh, he has created a network of folks called "You Are the Power." It's a network of liberty-oriented activists, community leaders, and elected officials who identify problems in our communities and implement some solutions that set people free to live better lives. So we're going to talk about that with Spike Cohen here in just uh, about an hour or so. And special thanks to the Eskimo Libertarian for. Uh, putting me back in contact with Spike to discuss this. She has been doing some yeoman's work behind the scenes as part of their uh, PR and outreach team, and she was kind enough to plug me back into uh, uh, to Spike uh, to get this all done in uh, this morning. Uh, I'm happy to discuss all of those things and talk with Spike in hour two. So that's what's coming up. So I guess the first go around, the first thing we need to talk about is who's who's in and who's out, who is in and who is out officially. So we already knew <clears throat> that um, uh, we already knew that uh, Ivy, excuse me, that uh, Natasha. You know, remember you remember Natasha, right? The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. I just don't fathom it. Yeah, you know, she is has decided that she is not going to run for re-election, which I'm really kind of bummed about because, my God, that woman was a soundbite machine. I mean, I could just, you know. So I'm going to begin my talk real quickly here, looking at art. I mean, she, she just, she could not, the woman could not talk about something. I, it, it was just perfect. I mean, she had so many good soundbites. Uh, out there. She's not going to be running for re-election this year. Um, and she's going to be focusing on some other stuff. And that's all good and gravy and all that. Um, but we've got some new ones as well. Turns out that uh, Tiffany Zulkowski um, from the rural community out there near Bethel, she is not going to be running 
um, and she has decided to pull out. Also, um, uh, Ivy Sponholtz is now reported that she is going to be stepping away. She said, after a lot of thought and discussion with my family, I decided I'm not going to run for office in 2026. She's been in the legislature for over uh, for the last six years. And she was one of the prime movers and shakers on the Democratic side trying to push SB 26, which, of course, was the restructuring of the permanent fund earnings reserve to allow them to do the percent of market value draw of the uh, of the uh, permanent fund. But she is now out. Lyman Hoffman is he has confirmed that he is going to continue to run. Uh, but I'm wondering who else is going to drop out of the race as well. Uh, maybe not dropping out of the race, but maybe being forced out of the race could be um, the friend of Fairbanks, Senator Click Bishop, who um, I heard when this came down, by the way, I heard all about it because um, he apparently was a little peeved about being censured by his own district. <laughs> they they were a little uh, disgruntled, I think is what, uh, is what uh, Suzanne Downing calls it. The Republican officers of District 36 who have been disgruntled with Bishop have now unanimously passed a resolution to censure the senior senator, which means they will withhold, they will withhold all support for his reelection. Apparently, he can still run as a Republican, but he will get no help from the party. Now, he has been in the legislature for almost 10 years. Uh, he served as the Department of uh, Labor Com- uh, Commerce Commissioner uh, the five years previous to that. This last go-around, he was the co-chair of the Senate Finance. Now, you can go read this article over on Must Read, and it's got all the details on it. The majority of the reasons why they voted him or they censured him was because of his positions on mandatory vaccines and some of the other things. There were several options and opportunities for him to vote against the state mandating some of this stuff. He demurred on all of them. And the final point was that he had uh, voted against the statutory formula for the PFD repeatedly. Uh, He voted to cut the PFD with his votes on SB 128 in June of 2016 and May of 2018. And, of course, his most recent vote as well. So uh, the, uh, the, the, the he may be. But the problem is, I guess I guess the, the bottom line problem here is um, he has no challenger as of right now. Um, and, well, as of May the 21st, which would have been Friday. So I don't know if anybody filed late on Friday. But as it sits right now, he has no challenger in his district which is a little disappointing to me. I mean, look, these things can happen. Look at what happened with Rob Myers and John Coghill. Rob got in. Rob filed. He was a neophyte. He was a nobody. He didn't, I mean, you know, he had no name recognition. He had nothing else. He's turned out to be a damn good senator, by the way. But he beat the powerhouse of John Coghill. Uh, I don't think it would take uh, a, a candidate very much to poke a lot of holes into the conservative mantle that uh, Click Bishop might try to hold up here. Uh, and it would sure be nice to see a uh, sure would be nice to see a bunch of uh, folks file in this race against Click Bishop. It doesn't have to be a whole bunch of people. One good person could file. 
Now, he's going to have a lot of support from the labor departments or from the uh, labor unions and everything else because he's that's he's he's one of their guys. But uh, I think it would be a good opportunity. But he was boy, he was I heard about it from a couple different people. He was pissed about getting censured. This is what happens when you don't, I think, listen to your constituency click. I'm just throwing that out there. I am just throwing that out there. So that's who's running and who's not and who may be facing some challenges. Steve Thompson, obviously not running as well. Um, and, you know, we've got, again, uh, let me let me throw the, what is it? It's April. So we are, one, two, three, four, we are eight days away from the filing deadline. They have to file, <clears throat> excuse me, by June the 1st, 5 p.m. on June the 1st. And uh, you have to go in there and get it all done. So you have got eight, nine days right now. That's all you got. Eight or nine days to get it all said and done. And you've got, you know, Gary Stevens out there. Now you've got Click Bishop, who's been censured. Steve Thompson's seat is open. Uh, uh, Ivy Sponholtz's seat is open. And her new district, by the way, District 18, uh, was pretty evenly split in the last, uh, well, the previous presidential election, Clinton and Trump. They were pretty much even, so it could swing either way. Uh, and of course, uh, we've got Natasha's district and everything else. I, we need to have a we need to have a candidate in every race, a pro PFD, pro small government candidate in every race. We we need to do it. And uh, but we've only got nine days to figure out who that is, folks. And if these people run unopposed, we got nobody to blame but ourselves. And nobody to blame but usins for doing that. So I, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to see what's going on. Uh, Alaska Independence Party candidate filed against Bishop on Friday. Well, I would take an AIP candidate over, uh, over Bishop, that's for sure, right now. Um, all right, we're coming up on the break. Um, I guess we've got – I got one phone call on hold. Apparently somebody wanted to talk to me really badly and uh, is on hold, but I haven't got through the rest of the stories yet. But we'll take the call on the other side, and we'll see what uh, comes from that because we can. So let's do it. Spike Cohen coming up in hour two. I guess it'll be me and you chit-chatting. We'll open up the phone lines at 433 the Pivotel call-in line here on the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll be back with more right after this. Regularly heard on American radio. Okay, we're in the break right now. We've got one line on hold. I guess we'll see who the caller is so that when we rejoin the radio, we can uh, figure out what's going on. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Mike. Brady from Vegas. Brady, what is uh, what's happening, man? What's on your mind today? 
well, I, I love your show. You you always talk about Alaska politics, but I pretty much call a whole bunch of different shows throughout the day whenever I can get a chance in between work here. And I kind of like, like, what's influencing Alaska and what's also influencing the lower 48? You know, we got to address this situation with the oil problem. You're, you're oil rich in Alaska. Why isn't the state saying the oil is a national safety issue and get rid of Biden, let's impeach him, also with the border. That's a failure. We need to rise up. I mean, the, the time is, like, way past due for us to rise up. But we really nationally, we need to have the militia form, overtake the oil field, open up the refineries, open up the pipeline, and bypass federal government before it's too late. Well, the problem in Alaska, uh, Brady, just so that you know, uh, is that the majority of the oil in the oil fields themselves, uh, a lot of it is on federal land. Uh, these are the National Petroleum Reserves, et cetera. The rest of it is on state land. And during the Statehood Act, the uh, federal government required the state to um, uh, to retain all subsurface mineral rights. That's how we ended up with the the permanent fund and the and the permanent fund dividend and all that kind of stuff. But the vast majority of things are already out and leased, or if not, they're under federal control. And so, uh, you know, when you talk about, uh, you know, going out there and just telling them to pound sand, that is officially federal land. So we officially have no, uh, no, no take on it. Now we're supposed I, I, to be I, I, receiving. But one thing with that, Mike, is I don't care if it's federal land. We're at a point right now we're taking that land back. That land was never supposed to be federal. That is our land as a people. I am done with it. They don't owe nothing. The taxes that they take from us, it was never supposed to happen. The whole federal government system is completely backwards. We're just stuck in the machine. Time to take the land back, all our rights back to the people in the states, bypass federal government. I mean, this is getting ridiculous. And that's the reason I'm running for mayor of Las Vegas in two years. I don't know if I ever told you that. No, you didn't say that. But I mean, look, Brady, it, you know, that's a it's a great, uh, you know, uh, like you said, we're all part of the machine right now uh, and trying to go up and and do the things that you're talking about, uh, especially if you're talking about trying to occupy certain areas. This is not like this is not like a courthouse or even like a range thing like the Bundys did or anything like this. You're talking about thousands oh. and thousands of acres of land that people would have to try and occupy in a place that you can't hardly get to. So this would be a whole different situation. Whatever, whatever. I'm not saying just necessarily seize these areas that are remote. Let's seize the areas that are the most important. So let's go from there. We need to establish that pipeline, that uh, open that back up, the one that's going across into Minnesota and North Dakota. Keep that open, the end bridge. Reestablish the Keystone. Uh, I mean, that, those two things right, right there within a matter of six months, we'll drop the price of gas in half. Well, I mean, I definitely would like to see those exactly. things. I would like to see those things get back open. Um, but, you know, it's, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to fix it, uh, Brady, with a, with the snap of my fingers or make it happen. Because, again, you've got companies and corporations who, in a lot of ways, are in bed with the government, doing a lot of things with them. They're not going to go against the will of the government. The people may want it or certain, you know, portions of the people may want it. Uh, I think this thing is only going to get solved um, as we go forward by changing out the players. And I think we're going to do that in a big way coming up in this next election cycle. Now, 
Will we reopen the will we reopen the floodgates? Maybe. I don't know. Um, but I think it's going to have to happen uh, through the election cycle, and we're going to have to get motivated to go out there and get it done. Um, I think. Well, well, let me say too. Did you hear the? Did you hear Biden this morning? What his comments were? I didn't hear him. They were talking about the gas. His his comment was they were talking about the skyrocketing gas and the oil problem that he created, and his answer was, "Well, we're in a little bit of a transition here, and that's what happens when we have to wean." people from oil okay uh hold the line brady hold the line the michael duke show common sense radio All right, uh, we're back, uh, getting ready to do it. Brady from Las Vegas uh, was calling in, and he is saying that what we need to do is, is basically make America more oil independent, which I think we can all agree on. The question is on how do we do it. Uh, Brady, I'll give you the final word here. I mean, what what is the solution? Because, again, I think that the solution is going to have to be, you know, we're going to see a sweep this next election cycle. And we're going to have to change out some of the players to get some of this stuff done. I mean, there's no way for us to just walk up and say, you do this now, because, again, you've got companies that are in bed with the government in many ways or are not antithetical to the government because they don't want to they don't want to lose what they have. So how do we fix it? I guess if we have to wait till the election in the midterms, uh, here's my theory that I've been going with for ever since Donald Trump supposedly lost the election. He never did. But when we win the election, we take back the House and the Senate. First thing we do is we appoint Trump as Speaker of the House, get rid of impeach uh, Biden and that stump Harris right away, Pelosi, the whole gang of eight, all the way down, and then reinstitute every policy executive order that uh, Biden signed, take them back out and re-sign them as Trump as Speaker of the House, figure it out from there. That's what I would do immediately. Okay. Well, I mean, first of all, I I think that's a heavy lift. I don't know if that's, uh, you know, doable, but I think people, I think people are interested in energy independence and it's something that we should focus on. It's obviously something that would benefit Alaska as well as the country. So I agree. It's something that we should look at is should one of the top priorities should be uh, American energy independence one way or the other. And if that includes reinstituting, you know, pipelines, Keystone and, and making sure that our pipeline is full and everything else, then I, I'm, I'm with you on that, 100%. Thank you, Brady, for your call. Uh, we've got to move along here uh, and uh, pick up some of the other things that we have been talking about. Um, <clears throat> let's see, where were we? Oh, yeah, the redistricting board. So if you've been follow, uh, if you've been following along with what's happening with the redistricting board, it is a crazy. Uh, it is a it is a crazy thing. They all decided uh, on every district, and all the districts were decided and approved, with the exception of one: um, Eagle River, East Anchorage, and Girdwood. That is the final case, That is the final district that has been causing so much, uh, so much angst and so many problems in the uh, in the redistricting board, and it's what really all these uh, court cases have been about. Yesterday, the Alaska Supreme Court denied a request from two of the more radical members of the redistricting board 
uh, Melanie Bonke and Nicole uh, Borromeo's uh, 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 call to overturn this last district. In fact, they had gone so far as to hire their own attorney at their own expense to challenge the board's decision, which they say is illegal. Now, ironically enough, their private lawyer was going to be Scott Kendall, who is the guy behind ballot measure number two. He is the pro Lisa Murkowski. I mean, this guy, he's he's been in everything uh, on, on this. So they're going to file. They wanted to file a brief. And uh, and be part of it. The Supreme Court denied the request of the two members of the redistrict bo- uh, redistricting board to file a, a, a lawsuit as a separate entity, and said uh, no, no bueno. Um, Bonky and um, uh, Borromeo, both of them, were throwing ad hominem attacks during the Sunday board. I mean, it was nasty. I listened to just a few minutes of it and was like, I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. It is just absolutely crazy uh the attacks that were going on inside the boardroom now the board has been meeting since last august trying to redraw the house and senate districts and all of them have passed the legal muster as i said earlier uh, of the alaska supreme court except that east anchorage eagle river girdwood map that uh they are currently working on Uh, we're expecting an answer on that here in the next couple of days uh, and of course, as I mentioned earlier, since the deadline for filing for the seats is on uh, June 1, their attempt is to get this done as quickly as possible uh, because, the again, the deadline is right there and candidates need to know which district they live in before they file. Uh, the majority of the board decided to pair Eagle River and Girdwood to meet the demands of the court over a tough-to-draw Senate uh, district seat. And so we'll see, we'll see what happens. But again... Two, two of the minority members, uh, very, very upset, so upset that they hired their own attorney, although hired, I don't know, was it a dollar? Uh, who knows how much it was uh, when it was Scott Kendall who was out there trying to basically gerrymander um, the state in many different ways, including through the election system and everything else. Again, as a mover and shaker on ballot measure number two, he was one of the guys that's out there really uh, just putting the, just putting the, the stakes to it. Now, uh, the next big thing, of course, that we're going to be looking at is what is the governor going to do with the budget? There's been a lot of hope that the governor is going to, uh, you know, is going to break out his red pen and do a whole a whole lot of vetoing. Unfortunately, I am not as supremely confident as I once might have been on that. Uh, for a variety of reasons, but most recently because of a article that the governor or the the uh, press conference last Thursday that the governor um, uh, took part in, and there was a quote during this. Um, it was there was a quote during this uh, this uh, uh, press conference, and uh, Linda Hersey over at the uh, Fairbanks Daily News Miner uh, reported on it. And the quote goes something like this. State spending is in line with what people expect from their government in Alaska, said Dunleavy. That, to me, is probably one of the most damning statements I have ever read um, in regards to the budget. This bloated, excessive budget 
and and that's setting aside the permanent fund dividend. I mean, a one point whatever billion dollar supplemental and all this operating and everything else, even taking the permanent fund, full permanent fund out, it shows how large the budget is. And it basically, he says, state spending is in line with what people expect from their government in Alaska. This is a 180-degree turnabout from the governor in 2018-2019 who proposed a budget that would have cut many of the things. But again, remember, only about a 5.5-6% cut by the time it was all said and done. But there was such a hue and cry from every individual on the uh, on the pro-government side Remember the words apocalyptic, draconian, uh, I mean, you know, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Remember all the comments that went on and the big recall effort? I think what you're seeing here is an acknowledgement from the governor that he is not going to be doing a whole lot of cutting. I mean, that's my my inclination right now. Uh, I'm I'm getting the feeling, I mean, this is the same governor, by the way, who said he was going to cut the? Uh, he said he was going to cut the the uh, university by 120 million dollars. That he had the right to do so. He was in the process of doing so, and then later on changed that to a step down approach of doing it over three years and only cutting out like 75 or or 80 million instead of the expected 120 million. And so he caved on that. And now we're seeing I, I, the state spending is in line with what people expect from their government. Now, again, we spend more than anybody else in the nation. I don't know if you've seen this report from the American Legislative Exchange Council, ALEC, A-L-E-C. They have put out the last report was in 2021, and it's the 2021 Laffer-ALEC Report on Economic Freedom which uh, has some of our favorite people in it. In fact, I see Donna Ardwin's name and Stephen Moore's name and everything else in here, basically grading America's governors. And this report, well, to say disappointment reigns supreme would be an understatement at this point. First of all, we can go through all the different tables, and this is a 50, This is a 168-page report, by the way, if you want to look through it. It's got some really interesting stuff in it. But let's just let's just hit the highlights, shall we? Education performance. We rank with Mike Dunleavy as governor 47th out of 50th. On spending per capita, on per capita basis for state rankings, we rank 50 out of 50th in Alaska under Mike Dunleavy. On our debt rankings, we're 42nd out of 50 on debt rankings. On welfare dependency, we're number 38 out of 50 on welfare dependency in this state. And in, of the, all, the whole thing of all the governors, the overall ranking, 37 out of, uh, out of, uh, out of all the, all the uh, uh, governors out there, Mike Dunleavy ranking 37 as a two-star two governor, two-star governor. And then we get into some details on a 1 to 50, 1 being the best, 50 being the worst. Their executive policy is 26. His economic performance is 49 out of 50, 50 being the worst. His fiscal policy, 34 out of 50. I mean, this is, this is not, I mean, this is right here. You could take a look at it. Overall ranking, 37th out of 50. One of the few 
one of the few um, uh, one of the few governors in, in the la- in the bottom. T- I mean, when you look at it, the last twenty, most of them are Democrats. One of the few, only Massachusetts ranks lower than we do with a Republican governor. That's pretty disappointing, to say the least. So, am I confident that the governor is going to take out his red pen that we've been talking about? That, you know, we were holding out hope that, you know, Mike Shower was on here last week talking about all these. Are we are we hoping beyond hope that... Uh, that Governor Mike Dunleavy is going to go ahead and uh, and and exercise that red pen. I have a lot less hope than I did. I mean, with that with that statement alone, it just I just I saw that on Saturday, and uh, my my head just exploded. State spending is in line with what people expect from their government in Alaska. It's 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 just. Disappointing, I guess, is the word that I can use. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens on this. But I mean, I, I just I can't see the governor whipping out a whole bag of red pens and going to town on it. There may be a few. Um, I will be pleasantly surprised. I will be pleasantly surprised if the uh, um, if the governor does cut a substantial amount out through veto. Uh, but as of right now, I have a feeling that there will be only just a handful of cuts and uh, the rest of it will just continue on, which is, again, dis- disappointing is the word that I'm looking for. But I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. We'll keep our fingers crossed and we'll be looking forward to seeing what's going on. All right, um, we are coming up against the break. I'm going to open up the phone lines uh, wide open for the next segment if you want to sound off at 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. We will continue to, uh, we'll continue to see what you guys have to say, and we will uh, continue the discussion. Spike Cohen is going to be our guest at the top of the hour. He is the former Libertarian vice presidential candidate and now the creator of youarethepower.net. We're going to talk about that organization and what they're hoping to do. We will continue with more in just a moment. It is The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we are in the break here. Let me get caught up. On, uh, let me get caught up on some of this stuff here. He's totally picking Machiki. Somebody just said that. Wait a second. Let me look at this thread. Let me look at this thread. Um, 
I'm going to sign going to Bethel to sign up for a run at Juno tomorrow, says Willie. Willie, you got my support, my friend. He's totally picking Machiki, isn't he? says David. He's starting to sound like him. Peter Peter Machiki is going to run for Kenai Mayor, rumor has it. Uh, Gail says that if he picks Machiki, he doesn't want to win. Um yeah, I mean, I I the 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 suspicion has been is that he's going to announce his candidacy, uh, his running mate as a legislator because he's been waiting this long for a reason, and that it would be one of the legislators. Now, if it is Peter Machicki, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of names being thrown around: Von Imhoff, Machicki, uh, some of the other members of the minority. Obviously, uh, Shelley Hughes has said. I mean, that was a she denied that. And I don't think it would make sense for a Valley guy like Dunleavy to um, ask another Valley person to be their running mate. He's going to need to pull somebody from the interior or from some somewhere down in the peninsula, I think, to make it happen. I, he could he could choose somebody from the Anchorage area, but I think this whole thing basically comes back to the reason why he's been holding off is because he wanted the session to be over. And now he's going to have to approve or veto portions of the budget or do whatever he's going to have to do. But he's going to have to he's going to have to uh, um, make a decision here pretty damn quickly. Um, Brian says Dunley isn't Dunleavy isn't wrong on the expectation issue. There are expectations, and again, that goes back to his uh, state spending is in line with what people expect from their gov- for their government in Alaska. And I guess maybe he's right. This goes back to the Laffer report uh, again, talking about. The dependency, uh, oops, let me go back here. Where is it right here? Nope, nope, this one, not this one. Nope, this one right here. Uh, Nope, there we go. Welfare dependency rankings, 38. We are the one of the more dependent states in the nation. And we have, I mean, in my lifetime, I've watched the dependency continue to grow. I mean, and and we have we've come to the point now where we're we're I feel like this is the uh, I mean that this is the the biggest problem right here this dependency thirty eight out of fifty uh, dependency states that's what we've become so you're right there probably is an expectation from a portion of the um, from a portion of the populace. But that doesn't make it right, especially in light of our economic situation. Um, can we get a link? Oh, got a link to the report. Donna went ahead and uh, Donna linked that there in the chat room. If you've missed it, it's uh, you could see it there. Great, great piece. People? Did I say Donna says people? People? Question mark. That's the governor's comment of people. What the people expect from their government in Alaska. Is it really the people or is it the or is it the corporate kleptocracy? <laughs> is it the corporate welfare that uh, you know the corporate cronyism is that are those the people he's talking about? Um, the Supreme Court works on Sunday. Yeah, when they're on a deadline like this, they're working seven days a week. Um, let's see. We know he's going to let the $3200 dividend stand. Also hasn't mentioned any areas he'd like to get he'd like to cut. But yeah, that's true. Uh Governor D is not going to use his red pen. 
Start with the seven eight hundred million of forward funding for the education cabal that cost us our PFD. I mean, that'd be the first thing that I would cut would be that forward funding. That money can go back. Um, scrolling through here. Uh, we are not even trying to do better, says Charlie Pierce. Uh, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Thank you, Scooter Kendall. Paul says he should lose his seat because people know when a leader is weak. And I would not disagree with that. I've been saying that for a long time. We need we need to have strong leadership in this state. That I mean that is a that is a, a absolutely. Look at what happened when he tried to cut in 19. His supporters cut and ran. They sat in this very chat room and screamed cut cut cut. Yeah. I mean, that's he he didn't get the support that he needed, but it also, I mean, again, he he jellified a little bit, turned a little bit to jelly on that. Um, you know, if it's right, it's right. Is Kelly Merrick running for a Senate seat? If so, who is running against her? Thank you, says Chris. I don't think she's running for a Senate seat. I have not heard yet. Um, I, I think she's going to have a very, very difficult situation to run up against. We'll we'll see what happens. I don't see her I don't know who's running against her yet. So we'll I will hold reserve judgment, but I think she's going to have a very hard time gaining re-election in that uh, area. Uh all right, here we go. All right. Uh, welcome back to the program. Thanks for coming in and joining us. Yeah, if you're just joining us, we were just talking about all the legislators who are not returning in this election cycle. And I'm hoping that there are strong contenders up there. I know Steve Thompson has somebody that's running uh, for his vacancy. Steve Thompson won't be rerunning. Natasha Von Imhoff is not going to be running. And it was just announced on Friday or Saturday that both Tiffany Zulkowski and Ivy Sponholtz will not be running for their district as well. We're going to have to see where these uh, where this all goes. Um, but it's going to it's going to make for an interesting election season, if nothing else. Phone lines are open right now at 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. If you would like to sound off on the program, now's the time to do it. Uh, don't forget, uh, by the way, if you want to help and be part of the show in a bigger way, you can always become a member of the Common Sense Corps, which, of course, is our cool kids club. It is the fan club of the show, uh, and it helps us uh, with technology and new equipment and everything. When my computer died here a couple weeks ago, uh, it was only through the uh, workings of the folks in the Common Sense Corps that we were able to get everything back and running and up to speed as fast as we were. Thank you so much for those folks. You can find out more about that by going to MichaelDukeShow.com and clicking on the Join the Core banner at the top of the page. Uh, and you get access to our private Facebook group and more. All the different kind of stuff is all up there and uh, and in the, in, the, in the pipe, so to speak. Uh, all right. Um, what else do I got? Oh, hey, a piece of good news. I had to, I, I, I had to chuckle. I had to chuckle. I, I got a piece of good news. 
Remember back in uh, uh, April when we had David Kodria on the program for Firearms Friday talking about his banning from the blogger platform on Google and how that program, that video, that, that day had earned me a strike with YouTube. And in fact, they had shut the thing down. They they prevented me from broadcasting for 10 solid days and and uh, and everything else because we had violated community guidelines, they said, on elections misinformation. Um, well, I finally was able to file a detailed appeal on that last week. I filed a detailed appeal. I went back and I I, I, I was the only one that could see the video, so I listened to the whole interview and everything else. And out of the two-hour show, there was a two-minute discussion on uh, Dr. Lott's uh, article that is a peer-reviewed published article that had been published and reported on in the Washington Examiner. And um, <clears throat> I made an appeal and detailed the time frame, how long it was, what was said, and everything else. And I got an email this morning, uh, just before the show went off, that... Uh, YouTube says, after taking another look, we can confirm that your content does not violate our community guidelines. We've reinstated your content. If your appeal was a warning, you'll be allowed another warning. If your appeal was a strike, we've removed the strike against your channel. So, there you go. I, I see. Uh, the second thing I'd like to encourage you to do, by the way, is if you uh, are on YouTube anytime today, would you go out there and like that page? I need a thousand followers to get into the next step of the YouTube program. I got to have a thousand followers on YouTube. I got like 4,000 followers on my Facebook page, but I need a thousand followers on YouTube to take it to the next level. So if you get a chance, go out to youtube.com slash user slash Michael Duke show, or just type in Michael Duke show at the top of the thing. And uh, you will find uh, my page and you can, uh, and you can uh, uh, sign up there and like, and, and follow my YouTube channel. If I get a thousand, I can, I can start moving in the next direction. So anyway, that was kind of a, I was surprising. I did not expect it. I did not expect to, uh, I did not expect to have the appeal reversed. I'll be honest with you. I expected that I was going to have that strike against me and it was going to be bad juju. So, but it's good. It's good. I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. So, and that video is back up by the way. I mean, you could always watch it on Facebook, but, uh, it's now back up on YouTube as well from, uh, from April the 8th. Um, all right. Um, let me go back over here to the phones. Oops. Phones are empty. So if you want to call in 433-3150, we'd love to hear from you and uh, see what it is that you uh, have to say on the old uh, radio program today. Um, look, I, I fully expect, well, I guess at this point I'm expecting disappointment. Right? I mean, at this point, based on everything we've seen, what we've seen in the last two and a half, three years with the governor and everything else, I am expecting disappointment. And and that way, I guess that I will be pleasantly surprised if the governor does uh, what he's, you know, what what we would hope he would do, that he would cut into the budget uh, with a scalpel, not with a not with a chainsaw or a sword, not you know, but that he would delicately go through and start carving out some of the excess things that we have talked about in the past, including the forward funding for education, including the debt repayment to the communities for the school bond issues. I mean, those are things that 
I mean, eyes wide open, those are things that we should be, you know, that we should not be funding. Um, I mean, there's a handful of things that we could go through in this whole thing and uh, and fine. But at this point, again, based on the governor's own words from this press conference last week, I am not going to hold my breath and expect him to make these major cuts that I think many of the smaller government conservatives in the legislature had hoped that he would do. Um, so I, um, I guess, I guess I'm, I'm preparing for the worst and hoping for the best and all my surprises will be happy ones, right? That's kind of my, that's kind of my mantra around here. But I think that this is, um, you know, we, we've got to, we've got to, we've got to start focusing forward. And this is what I was saying last week as well. We've got to start focusing forward. Um, we've got to focus on on what can be done from here. We've got to talk about we've got to we've got to talk about you know changing the players out that need to be changed. And again, that was one of the reasons why I highlighted some of these different seats. Now, for example, Ivy Sponholz's district, as I said, is kind of a split district. If you get a good, solid conservative candidate in there and they get some support, there's a possibility that that district could turn uh, onto the red side. Some districts, maybe not as much. Willie Keppel said, and I think he said it during the break, Willie Keppel, who lives out in Quinnahawk near Bethel, said he's going to go into Bethel and and file for office uh, for Tiffany Zulkowski's seat. Uh, and I'm excited about that. I'm very excited. I would love to see good candidates run against some of these people. We're also going to have to start focusing on the Constitutional Convention. And I uh, I, I am hoping that, um, that we can get enough support and garner enough support to see that go through. Now, I up until this point, up until last week, I have been very, very leery of the Constitutional Convention for a variety of reasons. The biggest one being that I'm always afraid that if we open up the that if we open up the um, um, the uh, the Constitution, we could potentially be putting ourselves at risk for even greater issues. And so I am I'm you know I'm ca- I'm caught I'm worried about that. No two ways about it. I'm very worried about it. That being said, I think it is probably the only way we are going to solve the issue of the permanent fund, of the spending cap, of all the issues that the fiscal policy working group brought up and brought to a head. None of, you know, with, with, with no interest in the legislative leadership in taking their advice or talking about it or doing anything else. It's the only way that I think we're going to be able to handle it. So, while I am, uh, while I am, uh, you know, I'm watching what's going on with the budget. In my mind, I'm thinking, I'm just moving forward. I'm just looking forward. Whatever happens, happens. If the governor makes deep cuts, I'm grateful. If the governor makes almost no cuts, it's you know, about what I'm expecting right now. I am focusing on what comes next because that is going to be the important part.
So who do we know in your districts? Who, you know, who of you is listening right now has got somebody who is their representative or who is their senator who is not a smaller government politician? Who is more pro-government spend than private sector spend? Look around you. Who do you have to run against them? That should be the things that we're talking about now. That's what we should be focusing on now. So we'll be talking about this later on in the week as we go through. We'll see what happens. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We're going to continue. Spike Cohen is going to be joining us next, former Libertarian VP candidate. And you are the power founder. That's up next right here. Okay. Um... On 538, there's a list of all the polls done on the Alaska governor's race. The latest one was commissioned by Lascaris campaign and shows Dunleavy with a 30-point lead. I don't necessarily trust polls at all, but that's surprising. That is surprising. That That is surprising to see him. I mean, I would expect that as an incumbent and in a Republican state that he would have a lead. 30 points? Hmm. I'm um, I'm not uh, I'm not sure I'm not sure on that one right there, not sure at all. Democrats love Dunleavy, says Paul. Well, I mean, in this new and improved version where he's all about the large budgets because that's what the people expect for their government in Alaska, then yeah, maybe that's the case. Um, the problem is here's the problem as I see it. The the problem is is that if he does get reelected, it's just going to be worse, man. I mean, why bother to even come on and talk to me? Why bother even come on and talk to anybody at that point? If you can just hide behind the scenes and never really address or engage the public, why even bother to do any of that? That is that is the problem. You mentioned redistricting earlier. Will that affect any of the Valley? Uh, some of the Valley districts have been moved around a bit. Kevin McCabe is now uh, having to deal with folks uh, further north up towards Anderson. And I know Mike Shower is now dealing with more folks out towards Valdez and some other things. So, yeah, there are some changes with the redistricting uh, that we're going to have to get into, and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that later this week as we go through. How about that? Um, All right. Uh, I think we've got our guest on the line. Let's get things set up for the return to radio here. We're about four and a half minutes from returning to the uh, to the uh, to the broadcast. Good morning. Is this Spike? Good, mor- good morning, Sp- uh, Michael. How are you doing? Good. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good, man. Good to talk to you again. Good. To, good to talk with you again. I was so happy to see your uh, video, and uh, and good uh, good work by Eskimo Libertarian and getting me hooked back up with you. I'm uh, excited to hear what you have to say about uh, your new program and new project and. Uh, uh, and I wanted to bring you on first things first to talk about it because I think it's, I mean, we were just talking about it here. We have something on this program called, uh, we have a, we have a, a kind of an axiom or a mantra that we call the charter of changes. And the number one change is changing the players. And by changing the players, I mean, changing out those people who are more pro small government and, uh, less crony capitalism, you know, that are the, that are the pro private sector people, 
uh, and free market uh, free marketers. And that's really the number one axiom that we have around here. And it seems like that falls directly in line with what you've got going on with your new program with uh, You Are the Power. Absolutely, Michael. Uh, that's 100% correct. Uh, and a, a big catalyst um, for You Are the Power uh, actually started when I was uh, up there in Wasilla last year uh, for the Alaska Gold Rush Conference. Uh, I went up there and spoke with them about messaging and the importance of building a culture of winning and uh, and going up there and seeing the sheer number of people that essentially a handful of volunteers were able to put together uh, in a, you know, Wasilla is not a, a, a small town, but it's also not a metropolis. Right. And yet they were able to get out uh, well over 100 people uh, to pay not small amount of money to be able to be involved at the grassroots. Yeah. And I realized that, that there was something here. Uh, now, You Are the Power is uh, not just about getting people elected. It's about having that constant level of activism engagement on issues, large and small, single issues at the local level, to keep people engaged, to bring people in, and to show them how liberty works, uh, not just in theory, but in actual practice. And right. then using that momentum to get behind good candidates for office at the local level, at the national level, uh, including candidates like uh, Chris By, who's running for uh, your house. Uh, your house seat there and, and Sean Thorne, who's running for U.S. Senate this year. Um, those are the perfect example of the kinds of candidates that we want to get them behind. And we want to build that grassroots, uh, localized momentum that can that can go behind candidates like that. Absolutely. We're excited to talk about this. We're about 90 seconds out from rejoining the radio here, Spike, and I don't want to I don't want to have to repeat ourselves, so we'll get into this here in just a moment. If you'll hold the line and hang out in my virtual green room and drink my virtual coffee and eat my virtual donuts, we'll, uh, we'll be right back to you. Cool. All right. That sounds good, man. I look forward to it. Okay. Don't eat all the ones with sprinkles. Those are my favorite. Okay. Those are the important ones there. So I appreciate that. Uh, again, Spike Cohen, our guest, uh, former uh, Libertarian VP candidate, and now uh, the founder, mover, shaker of You Are the Power. And we're going to talk about that here in just a hot second. Uh, so do me a favor. Like and share this video. If you're on Facebook, you can like and share the video. You can like and follow the show page. If you're over on YouTube, can I ask that you subscribe and ring the bell? I need to get 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. That's my next big push, 1,000 subscribers on YouTube to take it to the next, to take it to the next level. Then we can get things like super chats and some of the other things that uh, I've been wanting to do. But I just, you know, like I said, I got three thousand plus four thousand followers on Facebook, but I have, uh, um, but I have, I think I've got like hundred and eighty or something on YouTube. So if anybody who's on Facebook wants to go over to the YouTube channel and hit subscribe and ring the bell, that would be fantastic. That would be fantastic. So go over there and check it out. Uh, um, and uh, and be part of it. Uh, we are coming up here on it. Pew, I've got the power by snap. I've got the power. All right, uh, we're going to get it done. Uh, where can you see the district map changes? Um, I know that Must Read had them up on their on their uh, uh, site. I'll see if I can find it here for you, Paul, before the end of the show. Uh, but they are available out there. You can go check that out as well. Folks, again, like and share. Don't forget to check us out. And if you'd like to become a member of the Common Sense Core, you can go over to patreon.com slash Michael Duke Show. Like I said, that helps us out. New equipment and everything else. I mean, I'm doing this whole thing by myself. So uh, whatever you could do to help out, and it will uh, it will uh, uh, make it all better for you. And I'll be part of it. 
Let's get going. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find the podcast and everything else, all the social media links and everything you need, as well as across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. It is your home for Common Sense Radio. Joining us on the program this morning uh, is our guest, Spike Cohen, who is a former vice presidential candidate. He's also a successful business owner, libertarian activist, uh, and media figure. Um, he has been working tirelessly as an advocate for freedom with a commitment to help grow the movement at a grass level, training Libertarian Party candidates and activists in positive and principled messaging. And he is the founder of the new movement called You Are the Power. And that, of course, interestingly enough, he said has some of its roots Right here in the beautiful state of Alaska, starting with some things that happened last year, we're going to bring him on right now to discuss it. Spike Cohen is our guest. Good morning, my friend. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Michael. Thanks again for having me, man. Well, thanks for coming on board. So um, you are the power. Uh, first of all, we all like the sound of that because we all know that the power is inherent in the people, not in the government. Exactly. Uh, and, uh, and that's a big thing. Uh, and I was talking about the Charter of Changes with you right during the break there, that our first our first plank of the Charter of Changes is to change out the players uh, so that we can get people who are more liberty-minded, more free market mentality in there. And you said, surprisingly enough, that some of the impetus for You Are the Power came from um, your experiences here in Alaska. Give us, uh, give us some details here. Absolutely. Well, the last time we spoke, it was to promote uh, the event that I was coming up there to Wasilla, Alaska, last uh, April. Uh, by the way, absolutely. As small side note, possibly the most beautiful state I've been to. I'm not. I'm not a cold weather guy, but my gosh, what an absolutely gorgeous state Alaska is. And I, that is not me pandering. I spent months afterwards telling anyone that would listen, and increasingly. Uh, a large number of people who wouldn't listen, just how picturesque and, and postcard-like the entire state was. But anyway, when I was up there, um, I would, did an event called uh, the Alaska Gold Rush. And the purpose of the Alaska Gold Rush was for uh, candidates and activists to learn the, the tools and principles needed to be effective activists and effective candidates for office. And so I went up there, and I was, it struck me how I'm in Wasilla, which is not a large town. It's not a, it's not 
you know, a, a, a very rural, but it's it's basically a suburb. And uh, yet there were well over 100 people there who had paid a fairly significant amount of money uh, to find out how to be an effective grassroots level candidate or activist. Most of the people that wanted to run for office were doing so at the local level. Most of the people that wanted to be activists wanted to be activists in their city, in their county. And, uh, and I realized something. Uh, it was something that had been striking me for quite some time up until then, but that really helped drive it home, is that we need to be doing the work of spreading liberty as locally as possible. That's where we're able to make those immediate connections. You, you mentioned your charter of changes. I, I think the change actually starts even before changing out the players. You have to change minds, and, and that might be in your charter of changes as well. But the the we need to change the mindset of the average American, of the average Alaskan, of the average person in your community to go from looking to government for help and shifting that to realizing that the help is inside of them and those that they work with voluntarily and that it's actually government that's making it more difficult and that therefore we need to get them out of our lives as much as possible. And that's what you with the power is all about. Well, and I think that that's important. I mean, as you as we go through these things, we've seen that we've fallen farther and farther away from that. We've created, we were talking earlier about a dependency state. Um, yes. And that's what we've created in this nation and in some, you know, in Alaska in a lot of ways, uh, even more so than many other states. I mean, we were a nation of individuals, rugged, rugged individuals who yeah. wanted to, you know, create their own manifest destiny and do the things and be unique. And what we've done over the last 200 years is we slowly folded that into where people have now become dependent on the government that the founders and framers really wanted to protect them from in the long run. Absolutely. And the thing is, in order to create that dependence, you have to first crush the spirit. And, and crush the ability, not just the spirit, but the actual ability to uh, be able to forge that destiny for yourself. Uh, whether you're looking at the, just the crushingly high taxes, licensing laws, various other regulation uh, regulations and burdens, um, uh, things like how the, the Federal Reserve and the central banking system are destroying people's ability to actually create wealth and, and, and store wealth and grow their wealth, uh, the, reducing the ability of them to be able to invest just in themselves and in their business and their opportunities. That's exactly the kind of thing they, that they do to then make you more dependent on them. Uh, I mean, we're now reaching a point where the, the average American, uh, and, and more so than at any point in American history, the average American can't even afford the basic cost of living. I'm not talking, you know, poor people or people in poverty. I'm talking about middle class, two-income households are unable to pay for things like groceries, rent, their mortgage, gas, uh, these types of things. Uh, my understanding is now gas in Alaska has now hit something like $5 a gallon, and it's pretty close to that here. Um, that is as a direct result of action by government. Uh, our 2000, or 1996 and 2000 presidential candidate, Harry Brown, had a phrase that I've, I've used. I can't even tell you how many times now. And it's that government is good at breaking someone's legs, taking their wallet, using some of the money to from the wallet to buy the person's legs, that, the person whose legs they broke some crutches, and then uh, say to you, hey, look, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have those crutches. That's exactly what government has done in creating this system of dependency. And it's in doing the, the local work at the ground, single-issue activism, whether it's on a tax increase or on holding bad actors in government accountable or whatever that thing is that we can rally people behind, regardless of their political beliefs, and show them that this is the liberty way on each of those 
single issues and actually accomplish those goals and get candidates elected on those issues, uh, the more we can help uh, move people away from dependency, away from statism and towards freedom. Um, this is something that you've been you've been pushing and advocating for for many years. I mean, obviously, you've been an activist. You've 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 tried to do you know training and community leaders and elected officials. Is this just the evolution of that? Is you are the power just the evolution? The next step in that evolution? Tell me a little yeah, bit about it. It, it absolutely is. It, it, what it came down to was. I'm a first principles guy. I like to look at an issue and try to figure out, okay, let's strip away all of our assumptions here and let's figure out what is the goal? What, well, what is the problem? What is the opportunity? And then what is the solution and the goal? And I initially, the last time I was, uh, when I was in Alaska, I was still thinking that our, our first principle, our, our first initial thing we needed to focus on was getting candidates elected at the local level. And then I realized something. The, the problem is it's not just getting candidates elected. It's at answering the question, because the first thing that I would say to someone who's running for office is, why should I vote for you? And that's the question that every candidate needs to be able to answer. But then I realized that's true of our movement as well. It's not just why should I vote for that candidate? It's why should I vote for liberty? And we need to make that question easier to answer for those candidates. And so in order to be able to do that, we have to show how liberty works. And the reality is the vast majority of Americans, well over 95 percent of voters, when they look at libertarian candidates, they either don't know anything about us or very little about us, or they think it's not worth voting for us. We can't win all the stuff that people will say about libertarian candidates and libertarian activists. We can fix that by showing them that, A, we can win, B, when we win, they win too, and C, they can actually join us in that winning and be able to do even more. And so before we even get to the candidates, before we even get to the you know, running for higher offices, we can actually show, we can win on legislative initiatives, on activism initiatives at the local level and bring people into the movement. And that's what You Are the Power is all about. Well, and I think we've got, I think that there's two major, I would add a third thing or a fourth thing, I guess, to your, this is what they think of libertarian candidates. I mean, because I've had this conversation with people and they'd be like, oh, is that like the guy with the boot on his head, right? I mean, yeah. that's, you know, yeah. so that they, they, it's some of the, it's some of the, uh, the, the funny fact of this and the oddity factor but let me let me let me go back to what you were just saying you know i think our biggest problem is that we as a nation have become so hyper focused on what's happening at the national level uh at the national level where ironically we as individuals especially in smaller states have absolutely no influence and no way to fix exactly. it, but it has become such a part of our of our uh, you know of our societal angst that that's where all of our focus has been has has been uh, has been given, and unfortunately that means that we have neglected everything at the local level, the grassroots level. Meanwhile, the progressives and the Democrats have done a very good job of leveraging a lot of that stuff and being able to use it, and we, uh, you know, and, and they have started to take the high ground on a lot of those things. We've, quite honestly, I've been advocating on this program for the last two or three years, we need to stop focusing on what's going on with the national stuff, because we can't affect it. The only thing we can affect is our, you know, community councils, our city councils, our boroughs, assemblies, our county, you know, whatever, and our state. That's about as far as our influence can go in this short period of time, and we need to change out those players and then down the road, that allows us to affect what's going on at the national level. Am I wrong? Well, 
Uh, you're, not only are you not wrong, but it's actually even more accelerated than that. Be, it, yes, we need to be taking over our city councils, community councils, whatever they're called, their county councils, everything else. Get get over, take over the local level of government. And then even before we can start getting people elected at the state level, at the federal level, we can already start beginning to affect those things through nullification at the local level. The reality is, especially in a state like Alaska, the federal government cannot enforce their laws and regulations and orders without the cooperation of local law enforcement and local authorities. If those local authorities are saying no, that's effectively done. Whatever thing they're saying, we're not going to help you enforce anymore, especially, again, in a state like Alaska, it is effectively impossible for them to be able to endorse it. And a perfect example of that is cannabis. Cannabis is still as illegal right now at the federal level as it was 40 years ago, and yet the majority of Americans live somewhere where it's either legal to use recreationally or legal to use medicinally. And, of course, in the rest of the country, it's, it's effectively anyone can use it anyway, even if it's completely illegal. And it's demonstrated that the government has no ability to stop localities and states when they say, no, we're not going to enforce that. We're just not going to enforce it. You'll have to enforce it instead. And they realize that they can't. So we can actually take back the power even from the federal and state level at the local level. It just drives home how important it is for us to take things back at the grassroots. It is absolutely the power of nullification, which has been talked about in libertarian and and free market circles for many, many years, that it is the one thing that we still have available to us uh, by the Constitution. And but I think people have been very reticent to try and do it. But you're slowly starting to see that push back. I mean, I'm not a marijuana user, but at the same time, I understand the power. I mean, first of all, why should the federal government have any say in whatever I do as long as I'm not harming somebody else? And I see it also as a lever in that nullification fight to show it has worked it can work here's here's the example use that take it now apply it to other things that we're dealing with at the federal level oh it's already being applied so we're seeing it with uh, these second amendment sanctuary laws that are being passed uh, in many counties across the country and in the entire state of missouri the atf came out and straight up said we are not able to enforce federal gun laws without the cooperation of the state of Missouri, to which the state of Missouri responded, yes, that was the point. Thank you so much. That was exactly what we were going for. And, and the reality is, uh, I, I think it's something like 93 or 97%, well into the 90s, over 90% of the enforcement power for federal, uh, federal um, uh, orders comes from the state and local level, and, and over 60% of it comes from just the local level, the local police, the county police, the sheriff's department, and so forth. If you have control at that level, you don't even have to take over the state. If you have control at the city and at the county level, there is so much that you can already begin doing to simply undo and nullify in your area those bad, oppressive state and federal things. Now, there are certain things that can't be done like that way, like dealing with the central banking system and things like that. But what you can do is build is start doing uh, affecting what you can affect. You know, they say, uh, you know, don't focus on the things you can't change. Focus on the things you can change. This is something we can start changing right now. And it starts with changing the hearts and minds of our neighbors and our loved ones who don't get it yet. But they will get it when we can show them on a case by case, issue by issue basis, how liberty works and how they win. Changing the mindset from I just want the politician that I think is going to win to I want want to win, and I'm going to support the candidates, the activists, and the issues that make me win instead of the politicians. We're going to talk about some of the roadblocks to that concept and what else uh, You Are the Power is about. Spike Cohen is our guest, former vice presidential candidate 
on the Libertarian ticket. We're going to continue with him here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll be back with more. Don't forget, you can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Show slash live. You want to hear the between commercial chat? We've got stuff going on in there. We'll return with Spike Cohen in just a moment right here on your home for Common Sense Radio. Your mental suppository. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, we're in the break uh, right now, the commercial break. We have Spike Cohen uh, as our guest. I'm looking at some of the chats in the chat room. Susie, don't be nasty. That's not needed. Somebody jumped into the chat room and said, uh, "Proud libertarian from Texas here." Welcome to the uh, <laughs> welcome, to, welcome to the chat room, Texas. Thanks for coming in. Um, we welcome you here. Uh, don't take it from everybody. Uh, yeah. You know, don't worry about the stay in Texas comment. Uh, we love having you here. Thank you for being part of it. Um, <clears throat> uh, I'm I, seeing some comments in here about the legalization issue. A lot of people have a problem with that. Again, I'm like, well, what amount of control should the government have over us? I mean, again, as long as we're not hurting anybody, uh, uh, hurting anybody else or infringing on anybody's right, what right does the government have to tell us to do things? I mean, what at what point do you try and assign morality to a government that is made up of people at that point, Spike? Well, exactly. And, and the thing is, uh, I, I come to the issue of, of drug legalization as someone who has been sober for 16 years and counting now. Uh, I'm actually not, I don't drink, I don't do drugs anymore, I don't, uh, I don't even drink coffee. I stay away from anything that I think can, can do any kind of uh, un, undue uh, uh, burden on my mind. The, the purpose in my mind, anyway, of legalization is not from a standpoint of saying, oh, this thing is good, everyone should be doing it. It's actually looking at it the same way that I look at alcohol, which is that alcohol causes tens of thousands of deaths every single year. Alcohol is technically a poison. Alcohol can cause all sorts of problems, and we, and we know it. I mean, there, there's no, no one's hiding that. But we also learn what happened when you try to ban alcohol. The same thing that's happening with banning drugs. You just empower the cartels. You, those cartels turn around and pay off government officials to look the other way. That makes the, the government officials and the governments that are put in place even more corrupt. It criminalizes what is essentially a health problem, and it uh, makes it harder for addicts to get help. Why, are, why would we do that? Now, if you still want to have some level of regulation or whatever, that's fine. That should happen in your local level. That should not be happening at the federal level. That's that should be happening in your backyard where you can hold the, the actors that are deciding those regulations and enforcements accountable instead of some authority that you'll never, if you got within 100 feet of the Secret Service, would, would be crawling all over you. That's not the way to handle things. Right. Well, I mean, not even just empowering the cartels. You are empowering government. Look at yeah. how look at how much the government grew during prohibition. Look at what yes. the the, uh, the you know which which originally was uh, you know just a tax department, then became the drug and alcohol and the enforcement and the ATF and all that kind yep. of stuff. I mean, you empowered the government. I mean, the war on drugs has consumed billions and billions of dollars and ruined and ruined millions of lives and empowered yep. government to do things that heretofore that we never would have even considered. Exactly. And 
uh, going back to the war on alcohol, that's actually what triggered uh, modern day gun control. It was the uh, gun violence, uh, which was really gang violence uh, of during the alcohol era with the rum runners killing each other and things like the Valentine's Day massacre and things like that, that led to the National Firearms Act. And that was actually passed as a tough on crime. We're going to take back our streets from these gangsters uh, type of measure. But the reality was the problem wasn't the gun. It wasn't the Tommy gun. It wasn't the guns that they were regulating or, or banning outright. It was the people wielding them in order to enforce their black market that had been created by actions by government. And we have the same thing now. All sorts of infringements on our on our First Amendment rights, on our Fourth Amendment rights, our rights against undue search and seizure. And so many of these things are based on the war on drugs, the no-knock raids that keep resulting in innocent people being killed and police officers being killed by people that are defending their homes, that came as a direct result of the war on drugs. They wanted the ability to break into people's homes before they had an opportunity to flush the drugs down the toilet. And that's what led to the, the no-knock raids. And incidentally, it was Joe Biden who was one of the architects of that. And look at how many lives have been ruined just by that one bad policy right. as a direct result of the war on drugs. No, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to argue about this, but the bottom line is people should be free to do what they want as long as they're not hurting others again or uh, infringing on others' rights or taking people's stuff. That's kind of exactly. the, that's kind of the exactly. whole thing. Uh, Spike Cohen is our guest uh, again, founder of YouAreThePower.net. We're going to talk with him in just a moment about more about that and about uh, some of the hurdles that we're going to be facing here. Again, going back to that idea of the dependency state. Uh, the public education system and so many other things that are leading into this and some of the hurdles we're going to have to overcome with that. Uh, we're going to continue to do that. Please like and share this video, like and follow the show page, subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube, hit uh, follow on Twitch, do it all. Here we go. Back to it. The Michael Duke show. All right, we're continuing now with Spike Cohen, former vice presidential candidate on the Libertarian ticket, founder of YouAreThePower.net, which is an organization, uh, again, to empower people, to remind us that we are the power, uh, to help a network of liberty-oriented activists and community leaders and elected officials, and to train up new members of that as well. I want to talk a little bit more about the nuts and bolts of You Are the Power, but something that Spike said right before we went to break uh, made me think. He says, you know, because we've got to we've got to break over the clutter. We've got to inform people that they have the ability to do things like nullification and everything else. The problem is, Spike, is that we are facing a nation of people who have been indoctrinated uh, from a very young age. Most of them from from the from their you know kindergarten years and on upward in a national education system and everything else. Uh, that every time that there's a problem, these people have all been taught that every time that there is a problem that you have to look to government for the answer. Now, there are a few of us who are kind of, you know, gone against the grain, the libertarians of the world, I would think, and some of the undeclared or or independents who basically uh, believe in their own manifest destiny. But we're facing, I mean, this is an uphill battle. I mean, we've got huge... Uh, uh, groups of people who basically, you know, they bat and they stare at the screen and say, whatever the screen tells me to do, that's what I do. That's a hard uphill battle. How do we face that? Oh, it's a huge uphill battle. And then even once you can get past 
you know, at the ideas level, even once you can uh, expose them to and, and convince them that, you know, government is not the way that that more t- giving up more control of their lives is not the way that freedom is the way. Then comes the, well, what am I supposed to do? I don't have the ability to stop any of this or, you know, what are we going to do next? Or, wow, I'm, I'm not even sure your party or your candidates or your idea uh, has a shot. Basically what you're saying right now, I don't know that we even have a shot of doing it. How are we going to do it? And that's what you are the power is about, not just uh, empowering people, not just bringing people in, but then showing them a viable path and blueprint to actually get this stuff done. Uh, another that's why we're not actually trying to turn people libertarian uh, as a whole right right from the beginning. What we're trying to do is on one issue to the next on something that someone already agrees with us on, we're going to work with them on that issue to accomplish that goal. Well, that goal is libertarianism on that one issue. The reality is everyone agrees with libertarians on one thing. It might be taxes. It might be mandates. It might be uh, guns. It might be it might be drugs. It might be uh, holding bad actors and local government accountable. I mean, there's pretty much almost 100 percent of people support that. Those are the things that we can, instead of trying to convince someone at an ideological level, which is where most people don't even operate, they're, they're at processing things ad hoc and really just uh, uh, t- giving it, deferring to the authority of others on it. Instead, we can actually show them that this is the way forward on this one single issue, and then here's how we're able to accomplish it, and then build on those victories and eventually bring them into the movement. But if nothing else, we, we leverage the support of those who don't even support our ideas to accomplish even that one goal. So what is uh, so? walk me through, the, the, the again, the nuts and bolts uh, and sure. the mechanics of You Are the Power. What, what exactly does it do? What exactly can we do to be part of it? And and how does it how does it help people? How does it help those of us who are fighting back for more free market ideas and uh, and you know and again for smaller, more limited government? You know how does it work? So the nuts and bolts is first of all, uh, if you want to be involved in this, if you go to youarethepower.net, you can sign up to become a member. Now, once we have we already have members, we have hundreds of members already, and we only launched just a, a couple of days ago. Uh, but what we do is the the members. Uh, I, and, and people that we are in contact with, activists and groups who are in contact with, we identify problems in our local communities. It could be a proposed tax rate increase. It could be an out-of-control uh, uh, police department or an out-of-control sheriff who's doing something that's illegal or infringing on the rights of others. It could be a, a very corrupt city council or county council that's doing things that are you know, blatantly illegal. It could be an abuse of eminent domain. It could be all sorts of things. Uh, and when they identify those problems, then we obviously we, we can pretty quickly figure out what the solution is. That's, that's not a problem for libertarians. We always have the best ideas for how to fix it. But then once we know what the solution is, then instead of just saying, wow, we should do this, we actually then do that. We actually organize to have events that um, drive people's attention and, and raise awareness and get local media attention. We actually organize to show up to the next city council meeting or county council meeting or what have you to be able to speak on these concerns. We actually meet with other people who share our concerns on these local issues, uh, even just that one issue, to try to build a coalition around accomplishing that goal. And if we're able to accomplish that goal uh, with the uh, with the legislation, the legislators, the city council, county council people that are in place. That we have fantastic, and if we don't, even better, because then we can actually run individ- we can run liberty candidates on that one issue and get them elected to those offices. So it is a soup to nuts 
from problem to solution and every step in between way of doing it. And I, a perfect example of that happened in a place called Manatee County, Florida, where their county council was about to pass a bill that was going to empower a, a network of snitches by allowing them to use the civil court system to sue people uh, by sidestepping the criminal justice system. They said it was going to be more efficient, but what it was actually going to do was eliminate any semblance of constitutional limitations on government by saying, oh, well, if, if it's people snitching on each other, we don't have to obey the Constitution. And so a local group of activists brought me out uh, to speak to their city council about it. We held a rally. We raised awareness. We got local media involved. And then I went up and spoke to the city council and said, if you do this, you are creating the conditions for the best, you know, the worst nightmares of of Maoist uh, China or Stalinist Russia, you are creating the conditions that are necessary to create a, a terrible dystopian government that I don't think any of you want. And we killed the bill. That's a perfect example of the kind of work that we can do at the local level by organizing people together. And it doesn't have to be thousands of people. In that situation, it was a cup, it was about uh, seven people uh, who then organized a few dozen people and me to show up at this council, and we stopped something really bad from happening there. We can do that all over the country. And and again, we are the uh, we are the power. Can uh, if you're a member of that organization, you could be passing this. Uh, information on what's happening in your local communities and your state and your counties and your boroughs and everything up to that organization and get the help that you need? I mean, this is a support network. Is that what it basically it boils down to? Absolutely. There's kind of two levels there. One is what you can get from the top. So we can help with signal boosting on our social media, uh, both on the You Are the Power social media, my social media, and the social media of some other uh, libertarian influencers that are getting involved. Uh, and we have a, a large and growing number of that. Uh, we can signal boost your, your events. So when, when activists at the, the, the You Are the Power members are putting together events, uh, once they have something that's fully fleshed out, we can start helping signal boost it and, and get attention to it on social media. If they're able to drive enough funds and enough uh, uh, resources together to be able to actually do it, then we can have people come out, me and other people come out and actually help with their events and actually be involved and attend and speak at their events to drive more attention and get more people to come out. That's what we can do at the top. Uh, and we can also provide the infrastructural support, help them uh, hook them up with uh, coalitions and things like that that they can work with. But more importantly, it's actually them working together. Uh, we are actually using a very decentralized model of activism that's been very popular uh, here here and around the country. And that, that uh, model of activism actually encourages people to work in small groups together and then basically form these small, we call them like freedom cells, form these small groups that then work voluntarily with other small groups. And are, that way, instead of focusing on one or two or, or five issues at a time, we can actually, with even a couple thousand candid, uh, a couple thousand activists, we can be engaging in several dozen things all at the same time because it's so decentralized. And really all we're doing at the top is providing support, helping boost the signal on social media and in person, bring people out to attend their events, and generally help kind of keep the, the sandbox going that they're using to do all of this. But the work is being done by the activists at the local level. And I think uh, that's that's the biggest thing. A lot of times it's uh, coordination and communication that is uh, yeah. lacking in these in these things. And if you guys are providing a lot of that, then you're doing a lot of the heavy lifting for some of these small uh, local uh, issues. And especially, like I said, I mean, that's where I'm all focused. That's where I've been focused for the last eight, nine years is almost all exclusively at the local level because that's where we can make the biggest impact on our communities. 
Absolutely, a hundred percent. And I've actually had when I when I share uh, my idea with how we're how we're doing this with you are the power with people, and they say, "Wow, it makes so much sense. It's intuitive." You know, are, aren't you worried that you know this isn't a proprietary thing? Aren't you worried that you know other people are going to be copycats and make their own versions of you are the power? No, I actually hope that happens. Right. I don't expect I don't expect all three hundred million Americans to join you are the power. I won't stop them if they do. But what I fully expect is that we will build something very successful, have tens, maybe even hundreds of thousands of people involved, and then other people will look at that and go, you know, we can do that too. And then they make their own thing. This is the idea of this is about showing people, and that's why we call it you are the power. This isn't about Spike Cohen. This isn't about uh, uh, you know Nella Trump, who's a, a big a big part. Uh, the Eskimo libertarian, a big part of what we're doing, but it's not just about her. It's not about just about any individual person or any small group of people that are involved about this. This is about the individual realizing that they have the power to fix the problems that they're facing and then empowering them to actually do it so that they not just realize it in theory, but actually demonstrate it in practice and then show others that and kind of spread that light, that reality that we don't have to live this way. We can fix things and we don't have to wait for some savior to show up and fix it for us. We can do it. And here's how we're doing it. We're talking with Spike Cohen, former VP candidate uh, for the Libertarian Party and founder of YouAreThePower.net. So I guess uh, we're coming down to the end here, uh, Spike. I mean, what uh, what can people do? I mean, what, what what do we need to do to be part of it? How do we make all this work? Absolutely. So first thing, YouAreThePower.net. Sign up to become a member today. It is free. If you want to support us, we'd be happy to take we, – we will – Take any donations that you can give. Uh, this is a political organization. We have a lot of costs built into uh, running the system, helping supporting candidates, putting together events and all of that stuff. Uh, but membership is free. Uh, so sign up today and become a member. And uh, you can follow us on our social media. We are on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram uh, at Y-A-T-P, you are the power, official uh, on all three of those. That's our, our username on all three of those. And our website, again, is youarethepower.net. Uh, and, Michael, I appreciate the opportunity to talk with your, your audience about this. And, folks, if you, if you are like us and you want to see liberty in your time and you have felt frustrated that that's not happening fast enough, well, this is the turbocharger that's going to make that happen in our time. Youarethepower.net. Can't wait to have you be a part of this, and I'm honored to work with you. Well, I appreciate you coming on. And again, you could choose your membership level if you want to participate. They've got a free tier, and they've got a $50 tier, and a $100 tier, and everything's got a little bit more extra stuff. But even if yeah. you just join the free tier so that you're in you're in the loop and you know what's going on, you're part of that membership network, and you get the newsletters and, and everybody – you can, again, participate without any real monetary donation. Sometimes it just yeah. takes a little bit of effort and time. And, Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> and just to be clear, the basic membership has the same level of access to our network as any other tier. The other tiers just come with cool stuff that you get in exchange for your donation. But all activists are activists. Right. And and again, this falls right into what I've been pushing for years, Spike, and I'm glad to see somebody is uh, – Taking the rein on the national level, and and again, uh, you know, helping with some of that overarching coordination because I think that's one of the things that the libertarians have always kind of fallen short on is that we get so busy uh, pointing fingers at each other and accusing each other of not being libertarian enough. We forget that if we could come together and uh, and work a little bit better on this and communicate, we could probably get a lot more done. And I uh, I love that. I think that this is something that we've needed for a long time. 
Absolutely, man. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you having me on. Well, thank you for coming on. Spike Cohen, a founder of youarethepower.net. Spike, I appreciate it, and we look forward to talking to you again here in the future. Folks, we're up against the break. we got more coming up. Uh, we'll open up the phone lines in the next segment for you to come on board and talk with us about what you want to talk about. We will continue with more in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, we're in the break here. I think we've got Spike for one more segment. Spike, anything that we didn't hit that I should have hit on the way out? I'll give you the floor here for the last couple of minutes. Uh, I don't. I don't know, man. I think we we did pretty good in forty minutes. Yeah. I. Uh, I. I mean, from a from the standpoint of you were the power. That's everything I, I wanted to hit. I guess the only other thing I could say for your viewers in Alaska is uh, join You Are the Power and get involved and put together events in Alaska if for no other reason than to give me an excuse to come to Alaska again. I absolutely, I just wanted, I, 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 I didn't want to take up too much uh, airtime to say it before, but when I came to Alaska, I was a little concerned because I am, I am a warm weather guy. I live in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I was going up there at a time where it could be super cold or it might be okay. You know, this was it, it, like mid-April. Uh, I was very concerned with what I was facing. I'm not a guy that likes the cold. And I, I, I don't want to say I was dreading it, but I was very concerned. And when we got off that plane, and actually when we were just flying in, and I just saw the landscape there. And then from every single moment that I was there, I was just constantly in awe how you could literally be in the middle of a parking lot at a, at a Fred Meyer. And all you had to do was just look behind it and see this huge picturesque, you know, angelic mountainous scene. Uh, it, what an absolutely gorgeous state. What an incredibly kind and welcoming people. Uh, I love it there. I mean, if it were if it were warm, I'd, I'd live there. But I, uh, I, I would love to come back, you know, join you or the power. Let's make Alaska the most powerful state for you or the power. If for no other reason, then I get to come there more often. If it was warm, you'd live here. Boy, that's a bumper. That's a bumper sticker right there. I mean, but just if you lived here, just think of all the Usyks you could collect. If you, oh if God, you lived no! Here. See, now I'm going to leave. I can't do this. I, I, this, I tell stop saying Usyk. I, this is my. That will be my. So the first issue I want to do anything on there is on a statewide ban on saying Usyk, and I know that goes against my own values, but that's how angry I am about it. Oh man. It's uh, it's great to it's great to have you on, and I look forward to it. We'd love to have you back up here and uh, and to talk about things and just to uh, to to pick your brain and and hang out a little bit. So I I, I appreciate you coming on board, and we look forward to seeing what other people say uh, about uh, you are the power. Thank you for uh, thank you for doing that, and thanks for being part of it today. Thank you, Mike. I'll talk to you all soon. To talk to you soon, and and thank you all for tuning in. I thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Appreciate Bye. it. Thank you so much, Spike Cohen, uh, our guest here on the program again. For we are, uh, excuse me, you are the power. Um, <clears throat> um, Spike wants to go fishing up here. He loves halibut. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't love halibut at that point? I would love to have him come up here. Um, boy, we really kind of uh, opened up the door here on a whole. Um, uh, on a whole thing, a whole discussion on legalization of drugs. Um, <clears throat> you know, look, 
uh, again, I'm not a drug user. Um, I'm not, uh, but I but I fully believe that <clears throat> government should have uh, no say in uh, in you know what you do with your own life, uh, with your own body, as long as you're not hurting somebody else. Now, if you do something, you drunk drive and you kill somebody, or you do. I mean, there's a whole, there's already a whole, you know, plethora of laws that can be used against you to do those kind of things. Um, and, and I think that they should be used, uh, in with full force, uh, absolutely with full force. But <clears throat> I find it ironic that a lot of these people who are decrying the government's overreach in so many things are then saying, but, but they can go ahead and they can, they can say that drugs are, you know, that the drugs should be illegal. I mean, you know, again, we didn't have drug laws in this country for until, you know, within the last hundred years and, uh, we seem to be doing okay. Um, and unfortunately it's a, it's a, it's a big, uh, it's a big problem. And I know a lot of people have had friends and family that have <clears throat> been affected by this and are hurt. And, uh, I, you know, and while I, I feel for them and I, you know, I, 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 I mourn with them for some of those problems at the same time, I understand that, you know, people are going to do what people are going to do, whether it's legal or not. Um, you know, <clears throat> I mean, when we can get when we can get heroin and other drugs inside of a prison, I can pretty much tell you that one more law is not going to fix anything. And besides, giving the federal government more power over people's lives is wrong, in my opinion, just flat out wrong. That's that's how it is. Uh, we should have the government out of our lives pretty much to the <clears throat> maximum extent that we can. That's uh, that's what we need to do. So anyway, um, you can go out there and check it out. You are the power.net. Uh, I'm signing up uh, I'm signing up here after the show for myself uh, and my family to be part of this because I think that there are things that we can do and I think issues that we can address even here in the state of Alaska that we could be part of. And um, I think it'll be uh, I think it'll be exciting. Uh, to do it. Uh, anyway, go out there and you could check it out. Again, all the different uh, links are up and official, and you can uh, you can uh, you can find them over there uh, on Facebook. I'm now following. I'm now following them officially on Facebook as well. <clears throat> I'm going over here. Post that. There you go. Um, Timothy says, I'm not against anyone using drugs, whatever they choose. I also don't think taxpayers shouldn't pay to stop it or support the user to get clean either. I agree with that. I agree with that uh, totally. I think that is 100% right there. All right, we're coming up on it. Here we go, The Michael Duke Show. All right, uh, we are ready to jump into this. <clears throat> we got a couple lines on hold, so we'll start off over there. I'm opening up the phone lines for this hour, or for this segment, or the final segment of the hour. Just finished up with Spike Cohen from YouAreThePower.net. It's a fun interview. If you missed it, you can go back and listen to it on the podcast and everywhere else. Uh, phone lines at 433-3150, the Pivotel call-in line. We're taking those calls right now. Let's go over to the phones and see what you have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, caller. Hello? Yes, go ahead. 
it's so difficult to know when we are on. All right. Um, I would, I'm, I'm delighted to have heard Spike Cohen, and I would like to ask him how, what ideas he has to defang, declaw big, big pharma, big tech, big media, because I have been in touch with the similar movements that have started in Europe are now embracing the globe, and we all sense that we have to, we, we fall into disbelief when we open up um, our mouth towards the ideas that Spike also hinted at, namely the, in, the influence that big pharma, big media, and what did I say, and big tech have on us, just like you being kicked off, um, Facebook already were kicked off. Um, how do we function now and how do we find each other and communicate without being penalized for entertaining our thoughts, ideas, and putting them into practice? Well, Spike's not with us anymore for this segment, but uh, I mean, I can I can throw a few ideas out there. I mean, we're still communicating, we're still working through uh, you know through different forms of media. There have been alternatives that have popped up, uh, you know, whether it's Rumble or or I guess the, the Trump's new thing, Truth, and some other ones. There are other options out there, uh, but I would also argue that we should not leave the uh, we should not leave the de facto town square either. The Facebooks and the and the YouTubes of the world. We should keep fighting on those platforms because that's yeah. where average people are. And if it means that we get banned or we sure, get sure. you know quiet, we should do that. But sure. we should be pushing back against those things for sure. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, okay. But um, as he said, Spike, the minds, the minds of us have been so indoctrinated with the influence from the billions and billions and billions of dollars that could be spent on big tech, big pharma, etc. And um, so, okay, uh, open up these channels, but I didn't want to harm you. Since you were kicked off already of something, my fear became also when you be kicked off your radio, your radio yeah. uh, broadcast. Well, I don't think the radio, yeah, no, the radio broadcast is not in danger. Uh, I, I think, you know, again, it's the social media feeds that are okay. definitely much more uh, okay. prickly about that kind of stuff, so. All right. Well, hey, thank you for okay, thank, because you are enormous. Well, I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you very okay. much. I am okay, in, I am enormous, and I'm bye. also influential. I guess I'm I'm enormous. Is that a statement on my size? I've got a question about that. Uh, let's go over here to the phones. We're continuing ahead, taking more phone calls at four three three thirty one fifty. Let's go over here. Good morning. Um, good morning, Michael. This is Carlene and Kodiak. Good morning, Carlene. How Good morning. How precipitous that you had Spike on this morning and what he is advocating is doing things at the local level and at the state level to nullify, for nullification and for being a sanctuary state. And right now, I didn't know how to say this, but it feels like uh, how do we motivate lethargic people? And what's happening right now is the biggest story of my lifetime. I was born in 1951, but it's the biggest story of my lifetime is that uh, this president has, is handing over control of our emergency health things to the World Health Organization. And the bottom line is, is that it can probably only be dealt with in our state constitutions and at the local level. And uh, 
I don't have uh, TV or anything, but a caller called to every man and answer about, she just heard on One America News about Biden doing this. And so uh, Mike Kessler said that there you can go, there's a document, and this was on Wednesday, May 18th, about the Biden-Harris Global Health, and then the Biden turning health over to the WHO. There's a fact sheet, and look for the words enforcement and a threat observed through surveillance. But it's bigger than that. Charlie Kirk had um, Daniel Horowitz on. First, he had Michelle Bachman, who was a congressman from Minnesota, and she spent an hour interview, then Daniel Horowitz, an hour interview. Michelle discussed precept upon precept of what is going on now with us giving our sovereignty over to the World Health Organization, who is basically run by China. And Tetros is not even a doctor. He's in head of the World Health Organization. So there's big things coming. It could affect our gun rights, our property rights, our farming. Um, there's, so this was just excellent having Spike on. Thank you, Mike. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, again, any of those things, again, have to be, you know, would have to be enforced at the local level. And I think you'd see a lot of that uh, not happening. The president cannot unilaterally turn over a, a lot of the power that does have to come from Congress. But it does get disturbing as they want to cozy up and play more and more in the U.N. sandbox and pass over or allow them to take the lead on things like that. Um, I, I am obviously not a fan of that. Um, but I, uh, the good news is, is that the president cannot unilaterally decide to do a lot of those things, Carlene. So he can attempt it. They can do, they put $210 million into their global health initiative back in September where they were talking about trying to make us more pandemic ready. Uh, but, uh, turning over the sovereignty of the U S healthcare system to a foreign power or even a conglomeration like the WHO <clears throat> would require more than just the president, uh, flipping a pen at it and doing that way. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's the good news of what you're talking about there. But you're right. It would all have to fall back to the local level and it would have to be enforced at the local level. And that's what state nullification is about in all those things. We've seen it and and we've seen how it works. Thank you so much for uh, calling in, Carlene. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, good morning, Mike. In reference to your uh, conversational topic this morning and the libertarian approaches, excellent conversation, excellent points on both sides. But uh, on a local level, dealing with uh, the so-called rail belt and Golden Valley Electrical Association, I'm sure you're familiar with it. Oh, yeah. Well, our friends in Golden Valley uh, currently have Plant One down in Healy on the uh, proverbial chalking block, as in they're looking at options to either keep it open, which means put a bag house on it, or the second option is to close it. And I don't think that uh, this is getting the airplay, nor is it in the papers enough to let people know what's going on. And with that in mind, uh, they've had two meetings on the subject, one in Fairbanks, one in Healy. And, of course, our friends in the green world have capitalized in many ways, on the meeting in Fairbanks where they get uh, open-arm welcome. And uh, there's not enough folks that are looking at the impacts of closing Plant 1, such as 30 jobs lost at the plant, and then the collateral impact that will happen to Usabelli coal mine. 
So these are just some things that are happening local in the state that I thought were worthy of mentioning because we seem to be fixated on the strategic impacts, but we're not looking at the local impacts or the tactical impacts of the new world order, such as looking at options to close our plant. Right. Now, you got to ask yourself, why would I be uh, looking at Golden Valley going, they're looking at closing our plant? They uh, offered up at one of the meetings that they had uh, looked at over 95 different options for keeping it open or at least trying to uh, address the issue if it was going to close. They published none of that data. Not one single item was published at the meeting. They didn't allow questions, of course, because that would uh, bring open uh, details I'm sure somebody didn't want to release. The other side of it is they're fixated on, quote, unquote, new technologies, new innovations, and new ideas for the interior that are green. So I would ask for your help in spreading the word, my friend, because obviously this is an area of the state that's already uh, difficult to keep people in. And when electricity goes up in price or reliability goes down, I think we'll have bigger problems to contend with, sir. Absolutely. No, I mean, I, for one, am all about keeping that power plant operational. We are already struggling, as you said, in the interior. Before I left seven, eight years ago, they were struggling with power in the interior and the pricing and everything else. Uh, if they remove that plant, it will create a whole new problem. And as, and as wild and as beautiful and as attractive as I'm sure some of these new uh, technologies are, they're still untried and untested in many ways or exorbitant to put into place. It is definitely something that we need to be focused on. We need to be watching and we need to be figuring out <clears throat> how to get people's voices up there and heard on this. Uh, I have heard that they've done a couple meetings that they're trying to, sh you know, talking about shutting that plant down. It needs to not happen. Uh, there is no other way to keep people in the interior in reliable and affordable energy than with that plant right now. So I appreciate it, Lee. Thank you for coming on board. Folks, we're out of time for today. Tomorrow, Tuesday, Brad Keithley, Chris Story. As I said, I think I'm going to be off on Friday. So uh, I appreciate you guys uh, coming in. We will talk to you tomorrow. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. closure of that Healy plant would be catastrophic. <clears throat> catastrophic to the cost of electricity in the interior and quite possibly have ramifications along the rest of the rail belt. Um, it is uh, it's devastating. We need to we really, really need to focus in on that. We'll uh, continue the discussions on that and more. Thank you for coming on board. Don't forget to like and share. Please, if you get a chance, Go over to YouTube and uh, subscribe on the YouTube page as well. I need to hit 1,000 subscribers to move to the next level on my YouTube journey there. I'm also going to be adding Rumble, I think, to the uh, broadcast as well. We're going to just keep trying to simulcast it on more and more platforms as we go through. But we appreciate you guys being part of it today. Thank you for coming on board. We will uh, see you tomorrow.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.